Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison, and welcome back to the podcast. I have another guest visiting us today, and I'm excited to introduce you to Karen Jakabowski. She is a well-respected international influencer on helping kids live happier, healthier lives. She's touched the lives of thousands of families in multiple states with her ability to connect and help kids experience success from challenging behaviors. With a doctorate in educational leadership and nearly 20 years of experience in education as a teacher assistant principal and principal, she's highly regarded as an educational game changer. Her insights have been featured in various media outlets, including the Washington Times, the Delaware State News, and heard in multiple speaking engagements internationally, such as the National Principals Conference and as far reaching as India. As an empowerment coach, she provides a framework for parents who feel helpless when their child is experiencing challenging problems at school or at home and to help them experience the happy life they've always dreamed of through utilizing her revolutionary problem-solving approach. So welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you so much, Allison. It is a pleasure to be here. So before we hit record, you and I were having a little bit of a gab and I was saying part of the great benefits of starting this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic is I've had the great opportunity to make new friends and meet new colleagues and learn about what other people are doing in the profession. And so this is our first opportunity to talk, but I got a little bit of background on you and I thought, Oh, she's one of us. She's one of my people. I can already tell. Um, so, so this, I'm so excited to get to know you more. Give me a little bit of background. You know, you're, you've transitioned out of formally being in the teacher principal role, but clearly you spent a lot of time in the classroom. So tell me just a little bit about the journey from, from your, your beginning to being in that part of education to, to now more what you're 
the other attributes of your career now? Well, first I have to say that uh, I have my own podcast as well called Momnificent, and I couldn't agree with you more. The guests I have met over the last two years are like kindred spirits. It's the most beautiful thing. I don't even know these people. And I get on a 30 minute call like with you. And at the end, I'm like, I shouldn't say this, but I love you. <laughs> like, it, it is the sweetest thing. I, it has just been like the highlight of my whole like last two years. And, it, and you know, you know, if you go to a conference, even though everyone's walking around with the lanyards with their names and you stand around at the cocktail hour or whatever at the, the book table, you just don't get into these kinds of conversations. Like, you know, I, I, I wish we did that better with strangers. But anyways, I'm, I'm glad you're having the same experience. I feel very connected because of this uh, uh, this venue. Me too. Me too. I love it. Okay. So I am still an elementary public school principal today, <laughs> although I, I may not be this for very long. So I've, I've started, um, well, okay. So let me back up a little bit. When I was a teacher, I had kids in my class with challenging behaviors and I, I felt like I couldn't really get to why they're doing what they're doing to really help them. And the behavior specialist would help me. And it's, it is hard to change a person's behavior as a teacher. It's hard to change things that you're so used to. And so I, I struggled with trying to implement the things that they were like, you should do this. You need to do that, et cetera. But it wasn't until I was a child study team facilitator in two elementary schools in the public school system in Delaware that I attended a conference by Dr. Stuart Ablon, who taught us his collaborative problem-solving approach. It's a very positive approach, which synced with how I felt we should always treat kids, right? There's a negative way. There's a positive way. There's still consequences, but there are two different approaches of how you can get to the root of why a kid is what they're doing, doing what they're doing, and keep the relationship intact. And that was so important to me. And so ever since I heard from him, I read uh, the book. The book is by Ross Green, who also uh, was part of that work as well. And um, I, I just am I got the right rate? Ross Green is he the guy that wrote the Explosive Child? Uh, well, I either he did. There's 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 you'd have to look up the whole story because there's there's Ross Green started part of it, and then I think Stuart Ablon like took took a part of it. So both pieces are out there, but yeah, you're right. The explosive child is part of that process. And so our school district at the time um, used uh, probably got hired someone with Stuart Avalon to like help facilitate and do some coaching, like, because you have to learn a process and because it's anything new, you don't learn, you don't get it right the first time. And I never got it right the first time, but I tried. And the key was I kept practicing and doing it over and over to the point where I could really get to a point by asking certain questions, using a certain tone of voice with a very empathetic approach and get kids to really tell me why they really did what they did. But whether it was, you're not bringing your homework and book back to school, or you kicked a kid on the playground, or you just barreled into the classroom and like, what was all that for? And now the other kids in tears, like, help me understand. Um, And so after doing this as a child study team facilitator and over the years, seeing the successes in it and really getting kids to a trust me when I had to address their behavior, because then I was in the role of assistant principal and used this for many years in that role. I got to a point where I was like, you know what, if I can learn this, I could teach it to parents. Because how many times do parents get frustrated? Like my kid shut down. I have no idea what to do. And, and sometimes we're like, can someone else fix my kid? Like, or your kid doesn't even listen to you anymore. Like then we face that. And so ever since a year ago, I started running like a parent 
a course to teach parents this approach and just tell them how I used it. And they've started practicing the pieces to it and, and getting similar results. And it's been the most beautiful and exciting and rewarding thing to help more people than where I am in my school with my teachers and the students that I influence. And so that's what kind of started me spreading out more past my, my nine to five job. Um, and then I started the podcast to bring guests and authors and speakers on and people like you that I will eventually guest on my show yeah, because I just wanted to create a platform to help parents with any and all things when it comes to kids. And sometimes there's so much information out there that parents are like, where do I go first? Who do I listen to? And who has the time to listen to all this stuff anymore? And so like 20 minute interviews can give parents needful information. And there's a variety of topics. You just pick which one you feel helps you and awesome. You grab and go. And that's kind of the world we all live in these days. So that's me in a little nutshell. Um, amazing. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I love to your point, this, um, this positive approach that's relationship based is so that's so near and dear to my heart as, uh, as a, as a starting point for understanding human behavior, you know, in Adlerian psychology, we say that sort of the, the root cause, you know, kind of, if you had to come one thing, it, uh, go, if you had to put everything into one bucket, we would say kids, when kids are acting out and behaving in ways that don't make sense to the adult, the child's discouraged in some way. And that's that curiosity piece about, let's really try to understand first, right? Understand first. It's so easy just to say, I just don't want that challenging kid in my classroom. You know, I didn't get into teaching to deal with this crap. Um, and so I, I, I don't know what your experience is, but yay in Delaware that they're doing teacher training because up here in Ontario, depending on which uh, ruling body is governing us at the time, teachers are not mandated or it's not part of their core curriculum to learn about dealing with behavior issues in the classroom. So you could go through full getting your, your whole teaching career and be dropped into a classroom and not know what to do with when a kid won't come in from recess or, or yes. when a kid's aggressive in the classroom and they've been given no tools at all. So I feel, I just want to show the empathy that I'm saying for, for teachers um, because I just kind of diss them there. Um, I work with teachers all the time, but they're not, they're not, they're not given the training. Is that the same in Delaware or, or in most of the States that you've been in? Well, so I got certified as a teacher in Pennsylvania and no, and whether they said it or not, Allison, you and I both know not until you're faced with that issue, do you usually pay attention to what's going to help? So whether I learned it and I wasn't utilizing it and needing it, and that's like any and all. I mean, when I, when I do PD for teachers, it's like, I know an ounce of what they're, they're not listening to what I'm saying, unless it's going to pertain to something they're facing today. Right. And so sometimes it's, it's almost like in the moment training that is the most pertinent that they can walk away with, but there is more training that needs, needs to be given. And I, I try to help my staff, but we all know when people are set in their ways, it's hard to change people's behavior mindset. That is the number one hardest thing to change. And so I'm just looking for people who want to hear and change and try it. And, and that's why I've kind of uh, broadened my platform to reach more people because it has made such a difference and I believe in it heart and soul. And yet it's, it's, it's not easily um, something that uh, people adopt and use and do because they, they're used to what they know they believe works and that's hard to change. 
Yeah. But change is possible for those people that want to make the investment. So obviously they can take training with you, but just to, to, to whet their appetite. Can you give us in a nutshell a little bit about how that relationship part works and what the conflict, the, the problem solving piece is? Because those are sort of sounds like those are two pillars of the program for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a, a little snapshot into what it looks like. So um, your child, maybe you hear something at school that your child did that day. And you're like, oh my gosh, I know my child knows better. And that's usually what we're telling our child. Like, you know better. That's not you. That's not how I taught you. And we're just spewing everything out at them, right? And we, maybe our voice elevates a little bit and they can feel our frustration. Any kid is going to shut down. They might not show it, but inside it's shutting you down. I mean, just think you and I don't like when people talk to us like that, right? And that's that's kind of what I use. I'm like, I don't talk to a kid the way I don't want to be talked to. And so it's a very empathetic approach. And I love the questions it asks. Um, you say, like, if you heard something happen at school, you say, I heard you kick the kid on the playground or we'll just pick something easy. And you state what you heard in a, I call it the elevator tone of voice. No, no elevated. You're not raising your voice. You're not talking down to them. You're talking to someone like you're on the elevator, like, hey, how was your day? Hey, I heard you kick someone on the playground. And you ask this beautiful question. Dr. Avalon teaches us, what's up with that? And then you just shut up. I tell the parents, go mute. Tell yourself, mute yourself. Because what do we do? You know, we just jump right in. And that impregnable pause is so hard for us. So hard. And I'm telling you, it takes time to do this. But the more you practice it, I'm telling you, it is so worth it. And eventually, over time, your kid realizes that it's okay to say what really is going on. And Allison, it's crazy. Like kids would come up with like something like, well, this morning, my, my dad rushed me out the door. I didn't get to finish my breakfast and, and, I, and I didn't get to eat or, or they kind of like yelled at me a little bit or whatever it was. Like a lot of times behind every behavior, there's a story. And this process and questions and empathetic approach and tone of voice help get to the story. But unless your child feels vulnerable and safe enough to open up, no matter what it is, and I tell kids sometimes there's no right or wrong answer because sometimes they're so afraid to tell us what really went on because they know it's probably not right. And they're ready for us to just do what we always do, like lash out on them, right? And so it's such a beautiful approach and it just is so gentle And it gets the kids who do the darndest things to really eventually open up and share with me why they really did what they did. And I love, he he has this great question. Like when the kids are always like, I don't know, because that's what kids do. I don't know. Or they shrug their shoulders and they don't say anything. And you're like, oh my gosh, just tell me something. (laughs) And and, and you just use your question again. Like, well, I heard this, like, what's up with that? And when they say, I don't know. And they shrug their shoulders. You say, I know you don't know, but if you did know, what would you say? And it's that double negative. And they're like, what? But it actually reaches down into their subconscious to really pull out what's really going on. And and there's really no right or wrong answer. And then you do, there's, there's other pieces to it, but that's part of it. And it's just, it's, it's incredible and it works and it's so powerful. And at the end, it feels so good to have addressed the issue with your child in such a way that still kept your relationship intact where they, they're not like, man, my mom's so mad at me. They have such a, uh, um, 
a suspicion or assumption that adult authority is, you know, going to get them in trouble or not handle their their emotional truth or, or whatever, right? And so when you can disarm them and connect that way, that's so beautiful. Um, you know, so when, when I come on your show, remind me that I want to talk more about the subconscious motivation of, of kids' behavior with you, but um, I want to go on to the conflict part then. So, so it, when it's conflict, does it always mean that it's between two people? Like, is it like sitting down like you know, Janie said you took her doll and, you know, you say you had it first. Is it that kind of conflict stuff? Or, or is this, you know, the kid who gets up and is constantly going to the pencil sharpener and disrupting the class? Do they even have pencil sharpeners anymore? We what do. A, what, a, what an old, old thing to say there. Well, you know what is interesting on pencil sharpeners? They make them so cheap these days, they break. And now my teachers want the hand-cranked old ones. That, that lasted for 500 years and worked perfectly, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> there we go, right back. And we're not waiting for that, you know, little piece of technology to come from somewhere that's stuck on a ship anyway. Um, so, okay, so con- this this process works usually when your child just does something wrong. Something, I just- oh, Period, I, it doesn't matter. I love okay. this. I say unexpected. And I use that with kids because we say, well, that was a bad behavior. Well, what is that? What does that really mean? You misbehaved. What does that look or sound like? I don't know. But when you say to a kid, well, that was unexpected. It's kind of like, oh, well, yeah. Like it just has a different twist to it, which I love. I use that I, all the time. Oh, I love that because again, it sort of reinforces the the the, the expectation that the child is, is a a pro-social behaving human being and that this behavior is the outlier rather than, you know, oh yeah, well, you're our trouble kid. Of course you did that again, <laughs> you know, like and, free, and it the frees cool, the label. The core heart of what Dr. Ablon, I love this phrase. I mean, I should just be a, a like a little mini Dr. Ablon because I, I just, I heart his work and, and I've worked with it so much that I just love it and seen the effects. His statement is kids do well if they can. If we just started with the premise that every kid wants to do well, like that is an incredible place. And I really believe that to my core. And if they can't, it's up to us to figure out why. Like there's a reason why. And this process gets to the why. And like you said, it has that positive spin to it that, you know what, I believe you want to do well. So let's figure out what's holding you up. And usually it's a lagging skill. It's maybe something they need to be taught that we assume they know, and that's our wrong assumption. Not every eight-year-old knows all the skills. I know generally all your eight-year-olds act this way, but we we come from the premise of let's make sure we've taught them that skill first before we ding them for it. So it's either a skill to be taught or it's a problem to be solved. And that's what this collaborative problem-solving process does. It solves the problem. And then you ask them, what do you think we could do to solve this problem? Ideally, you're supposed to have them come up with three things. And because you're getting them to come up with the solution that you're okay with, not a solution you're not okay with. So there's that part where you're going to work with them to compromise, but it teaches kids to problem solve and kids don't, we're not giving kids that opportunity these days. We're telling them how to do everything. Yeah. I just have to share. I have to, for, for parents listening, it just makes me think of an example from my own family that I think that you will love, Karen. So my kids would take off their socks after school and stuff them into the couch cushions when they were like watching TV and having their after school snack. And I'm like, please, like, this is the family room. Like they stink. I shouldn't have to put up with your socks in the common area of the house. And they're like, uh, whatever. We don't want to go all the way upstairs to your room. You know, take our socks off. Anyways, so I was like, I don't, I don't care how we solve this. You know, it's just, I feel like I have the right to be in a non-sock smelly part of my house for, you know, 
Anyways, it turns out that the big issue was about the going upstairs and the energy to go upstairs. So they said, can we just put a basket in the front hall closet to put our dirty socks in so that when we take off our shoes, we take off our socks in the front hallway. And then on laundry day, we'll just dump those socks into the laundry basket. I'm like, great, problem solved. Never had. So it wasn't a kid sticking it to me or being mean or inconsiderate. Like they were just solving the problem one way and I just helped them solve the problem a little bit more effectively for me. So like that just when you said, you know, get to the heart of the issue and you solve the issue, the, the, the not bad behavior, the unexpected behavior goes away. So anyways, I hope that I hope that was interesting to you and the listeners. Oh, it's so it's like an example. But that's that's a beautiful way of showing how we can solve the problems. But how yeah. often do we do what you did? Like, I can't believe this. We don't do this. Da, da, da. And it just creates more strife and, you know, never leads to anything good. And we always regret however we responded, or I should say reacted, because really we react in the moment. Um, And then, so for the conflict part, um, that's a little bit different, but I, when I do have a conflict with, with two individuals, whether it's your siblings or to your friend, a friend, your kid is playing with or at school, um, I always talk to them individually first. And I just hear from them, like, what, what did they do or say that bothered you? And nine times out of 10, the other kid did something or said something that bothered them too. Like rarely is it one-sided, right? So I really like to give them the opportunity. And again, it's that even tone voice, non-judgmental tone. I'm not raising my voice. I'm just talking to someone like I'm on the elevator, like, or I like to say, which I say to my teachers a lot, help me understand, <laughs> help me understand, you know, what happened there. And then it, it opens it up for them to feel okay to share. And then when I do bring the two individuals together, I take time to say, you know, what you did or said, and I ask the other kid, like, how did that make you feel? So that they can share, so the other person can hear how it made them feel. And then, okay, but when you did or said this, how did it make you feel? And nine times out of 10, they can walk away with more understanding of each other. Not that they have to be the best friends, but there's so many things that are said and done that are interpreted in such a way that we get upset more and more at each other. And if we could just, I mean, this is, this is true of adults too. Okay, I was going to say, and, how many how many teen girls are paranoid in the cafeteria? Because when they see two girls, you know, giggling and looking their way, they assume that they're being gossiped about. And you're like, or they're actually talking about something totally different. And you're just personalizing that as, you know, I mean, we make mistakes all the time, all the time. Yeah. So that's a beautiful approach that has worked successfully like 99% of the time. And a lot of times those kids don't get into conflict again, or if they do, they've seen it modeled enough and it helps them open their understanding that perspective taking. How about that little skill right there? Yeah, I was, isn't that, don't they call that, is that perspective taking and theory of mind to your point? Like just because you're mm-hmm. eight, maybe that's where you're lagging in that social skill. And we do need our educators to be trained on the socio social emotional learning skills do need to be part of our core curriculum. I, I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And too often we assume or we get upset. Well, I can't believe this kid. He did that. Okay. Well, why did he do that? Well, maybe he was feeling or heard something and it made him feel a certain way. And then he had his reaction. I don't know, but I will always dig deeper to find out what really happened. And those, this, those, those kind of two processes really get to the core. And when you get to the core, 
that's when I have kids write me notes saying, you're the best principal. And he was the one with the worst behaviors in the school. Yeah. Um, I used to have lunch as an assistant principal with every kid with the most behavior referrals for fun, because that might've been their few times in a week. They look forward to something because the bad kids get dubbed the bad kid and they just get treated that way. And it's not right. And I'm sorry it happens, but I just did things on the opposite end to reverse that and gave kids another picture of who they could really be. And I saw kids do like a 180 in their behavior where the kid with the most write-ups, actually, we had him lead our school tours. And when the guests would come in, they would they would just be like the mayor of the, of the school and be like, and this is Dr. Jakubowski and she does this and we have this year. And all of a sudden he was in the office and the, and the office staff were like, who is this kid? This is amazing. Instead of, oh, the kid's sitting there because he's in trouble again. Like, oh, we have such power to flip the way kids see themselves when they come, come and they're, they're kids. And I remind parents of this. They're not robots. Like we get so embarrassed by something they do. Stop, relax. It's okay. It's part of their learning. They're kids. They, 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 they're not going to do it right all the time. Like it's okay. Like it's hard for us as adults. we got to let go of that. Cause we, we, we like take our identity from it a little bit. And it's like, like, let it go. It's okay. And they're learning. And usually when they learn from something they did wrong, they really learn it rather than just being taught their whole life. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. And then they're just like this kind of uh, whatever kind of person you want to say that is. But kids learn the most from those difficult behaviors. And we can create it to be a positive thing in something so difficult. Yeah. So, so beautiful. So, so can I just crack into one last topic area here while I have you? Um which is, as we're trying to understand what's gone on recently, and I know every child is different and they're going to have their own story and we need to be curious and learn their story. But tell me if your experience has been similar with mine, where one of the biggest complaints that I'm getting both from parents and the uh, and children is um, their motivation for learning has just gone down the toilet. I don't care. I don't care. There's a real, you know, I mean, there's certainly a group of kids that have re re-entered school um, and they seem to have done fine during the pandemic. Some kids, even their marks went up, I found in some of my, in with some of my people. So I know there's a variety of experiences, but I'm just meeting so many kids where the issue now is this lack of motivation that I've n- never seen so, so, so sweepingly as I have uh, and maybe it's tied to the fact that I only see kids that are coming in because they got mental health issues and it's tied to that. But I'd be so curious on your perspective of COVID, mental health, you know, things that are kind of trending for you. And if there's anything that we can, you know, do to be helpful to the either the educators or the parents that have kids that are still struggling, even though we're supposedly coming back out of this now. Yeah. So I, I have two things to recommend. One is a book by Dr. Michelle Borba, who wrote Unselfie. Do you know her? Yeah. She's been on the podcast. I love Michelle. Yes. See? Ah, she came on my podcast too. Oh great. God. I love her. She, oh, what a kindred spirit she is. So yeah. she wrote the book Thrivers, which has seven teachable skills and her, one of her big points, which I ran a book study with her book and she popped on to our, one of our, our nights. It was oh, so nice. awesome. And she, which maybe you probably already remember this, what she said, but her, a, a big part of what she talks about is find out what your kid is interested in. Let them do a hundred million things so that they can figure out what they love and what they love, just go for it 110%. 
and let go of the fact that maybe it's not what you want your child to be interested in, right? Because we raise our kids sometimes, sometimes where you want them. You're, you're going to gymnast, you're going to, you're going to play the piano because I want you to play the piano. You're going to like, just, just think about what your kid is into. And, and it's those extracurricular things. And the more extracurricular activities they are involved in and just devote their time to and energy because they love it, then when it gets to the things of school that you have to do, and I call them boring moments, I teach kids this. I'm like, there's boring moments in life and we all have them, but there's something you are going to get to that you do like, you know, at this moment or at this day, this week or what have you. So you got to live through the boring moment, but let's live through it because we all got them. Even I got them. And then we're going to get to do what we want to do. And if you can find those things and invest that time and energy into fostering that, that that's huge. We got to find what our kids love and just keep doing things till you find out what it is and then just pour into it. And, and that, that will bring out motivation in them because kids will do what they love. They are unfocused and unmotivated until they find something they love. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, they were focused enough on that because they loved it. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. To put that everywhere, whatever it is. I mean, this is a trick for teachers too, right? And then the well, other I think thing about that with well, I think about that with my daughter and and people saying like, you know, I have to yell at my child to practice their music lessons, and I'm like, I can't get my kid to get off the guitar. So um, <laughs> when you love it, you don't have to force them to do it. <laughs> and maybe scales so, are boring, but you know, if you want the bigger goal, if you're forcing your kid to do something, maybe rethink. Hmm, yeah, should I so, take a step back? Just like you said, just like you said. So find something your kid is interested in. If they don't like anything in school, who cares for now? Try something they love outside of school and pour the time and energy into it. And you'll slowly start seeing that motivation come into the areas where you kind of need them. And I love how Dr. Borba talks about how we've got to, we've got to uh, build in these well-rounded kids. Like we make it so academic focused that kids are stressed out by that. They need all these other outlets. So, you know, actually people in businesses today, they want someone who can connect with others and, and have, uh, you know, perspective taken problem solve. Hello. Like let's, that's where they're going to learn those skills as well. So just broaden your perspective in that way. When you're thinking about the activities your kid is in and, and don't just think, just think of how much focus you're putting on their academics and let's, you know, spread that percent across different areas as well, whether it's basketball or writing or poetry or singing or, um, you know, writing, writing, writing a book, writing, drawing pictures for a book or et cetera. And then the other thing that I've learned recently a lot more about is just even within school, uh, helping teachers also get, get areas kids are interested in and let them do research on it. Let them find a fact and share it with the class. If, a, if we get kids interested in what they are interested in inside the school day, along with getting your work done, it will drive and bring out that motivation. So like I said to a kid the other day who was really struggling getting through his writing lesson because he's kind of brilliant, but it's like, write something like seriously, oh, I hate, you know, <laughs> he just struggles and the teacher and him struggle. And I said to him, you know, what's something that you love learning about? And of course, every other kid right now is like gaming, YouTube gaming, YouTubers, all this stuff. Right. And I was like, who do you know the most on YouTube right now? And he said some name and I'm like, imagine if we reached out to him and and asked him if he would do like a two minute zoom call with you and ask, you could ask him any question you want. If you get through your boring moment in writing, I'll set that up for you. And we'll do that together. 
Like it's just, it's, it's just a little bit of a pivot, like find what they're interested in and find ways to incorporate that into their day and giving them time for that. And then when you need them to do whatever it is that you really need them to do, see if their motivation doesn't change. So that has been really, yeah, exciting to me. Yeah, and I think one thing that we've, we had to change the system so many times here in Ontario, but one of the regular complaints that I got from my, from the students that were in my, my family counseling practice was one of the ways they tried to keep kids, the spread down was by having less class rotation. So instead of having a 40 or a 70 minute class, if you, you would just take two, to, you would just take two topics. So you would have four hours nonstop of math. And you're not allowed to stop and talk to your friends in the hall. So there was no socializing. Four hours of math for somebody who doesn't have good math skills. Like you wonder why they checked out. So, I mean, I know that our educators had to do their best to try to throw things together or whatever. Um, but uh, we're slowly moving back to more engagement in the classroom. And so I love your ideas. And I, I hope, that, you know, parents and educators are listening to this and just knowing, like, we will catch up for the leg. I, you know, I know that's everyone's so, to your point. It was like, ah, oh, the marks are down there are down it's like you know okay we got a whole life lifetime to learn we've got to get these kids back engaged with you know being with their friends and engaged with thinking of themselves as a, as a learner and um you know I, I i really believe that um i i call it abc acceptance belonging and then curriculum it's like we gotta we gotta get the social the social part of the classroom happening you know so that we can plug them back into some of the curriculum pieces and I think everyone's so panicked that they got to get caught up for lost learning that um, we're maybe re reemerging too quickly or something. I, I don't think we've met. We I don't think we've quite figured the formula out. But we've also never been here before. We've never had a pandemic, you know, in the um, in the life cycle of this education system's right. <laughs> you know development, anyways. And you're so right about the acceptance. And what was your B? Uh, belonging, Belong. acceptance, and because belonging. If a kid knows their teacher truly loves them, they will do anything for them, anything. Like that is so powerful. So if what you've been doing hasn't been working, <laughs> maybe just stop, take a deep breath, reflect, pause, and ask a kid how their day was. Ask them what what, what they like to do in their free time and find something to, to just foster and water that a little bit. And and appreciate them and notice them and talk with them and connect with them and have them feel like they're a part and they belong. And then when you really need them to do something, watch if their motivation doesn't change even an ounce in towards the right direction. So beautiful. Well, anyone who's been regularly following my podcast knows or, or my Facebook lives, I, I always look at there we are again, all comes down to relationship. I learn it deeper and stronger and more, you know, in my years of, of learning, I, I just keep bumping into interviews like you, experts in other content fields, research, and it's like, there it is again, folks, front and center, human relationships, it all comes they down all to relationship. We, we all crave it. You know, we all crave just to be, to belong, someone to notice me, someone to make me feel like, like I, like they want to know me, right? That's, that's just at yeah. the core of, of us, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, I don't right. care. Yeah. At the base of it, you still want to be seen. Yeah. So just notice them. Beautiful. Well, we'll have to find, uh, I, we have probably, 
at least five other major topic areas that you and I could do a whole other, you know, multiple sessions on. So I'll, I will give you the last word for this time, but I'm hoping that this isn't the last time you and I have an opportunity to share thoughts and, and help get information out to parents. Is there something that you want to wrap up with on, on this particular bucket of knowledge that we've been tapping into? Um, all I want to say is throw the name out, David Preston, because David Preston came on my podcast as well. And he's the one I learned about this open learning source academy. So actually schools could adopt this practice of helping kids find what they're interested in and fostering that in such a way, as well as getting your academics done, which, okay, check the box. We all got to get through it. And, and, and that has its place and its importance. But it's incredible how dropout rates can go down real fast when you've got kids actively engaged in what they want to learn and pursue. So I've learned I've learned a lot about him. Oh, oh, okay, great. I'm definitely going to do some some hunting there. I know um, uh, there's uh, we have several like tink tinkering labs, tinkering schools here that are kind of based on the same thing. Where you know if you're really interested in building a kite, now we have to figure out the math to do the angles on the kite, and you, you kind of do this embedded, hands-on, you know, follow the child's interest, but it weaves in all the different you know, topic areas and, you know, uh, which I think is, is fantastic. Uh, where I'm going to, of course, put your contact information in the show notes, but if give a, give a moment here to say, where can people find you, follow you, you know, take a, oh, moment, I'm a take a bow and, and tell us how we can stay in touch for, for the public. Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook, Karen Jakubowski, and then I have a Facebook page, Happy Moms, Happy Kids. And that's where I post a lot of things from my podcast weekly, um, just to keep up in the know. Even if you had two minutes, it's a great like grab and go. There's short videos on there and just inspirational uh, pieces that I throw out weekly. And then um, Educational Impact Academy is my website and YouTube channel because I throw all my interviews from my Momnificent podcast onto YouTube because some people like to see it. Some people like to listen. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just put in the, I'll give you things to put in the description notes of this episode, you know, links that you can follow. Cause I, I, I recorded this collaborative problem solving approach that I that I just shared briefly with you. Um, it's available on my um, website. If you wanted to just watch it and you didn't want to like show up live to try to learn it over time. Um, and so, and then because I've worked with moms so much that I realized, you know what, we got to take care of moms you first before we help you take care of your kids. Cause sometimes there's things that we are dealing with. And so there's a second level of coaching that I've been going to, to also turn around some coaching with, with moms or women to really empower us to get past some blocks that we might have that, that can, and sometimes could be hindering us to really get to the point to really um, embrace what we want to do and the outcome we want with our kids. And sometimes we're like, I feel like I can't do it. And, and I, and I know that's just a limiting belief that we can work through together. And so um, that's the next endeavor that I'm stepping into this summer. Um, oh, that's amazing. All right. So I will um, make sure for uh, all those listening that all of those links are posted for you. So go to the show notes, folks, click along, follow along. And until our next conversation, Karen, thank you so much. So great to, to meet you and to start this friendship. And uh, I, anyways, I just I really appreciate what you're doing for the world. Oh, thank you so much. And I can't wait to have you as a guest on my show. So I'll see you soon. Okay. <laughs> all the best. 
As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.